Welcome to Crime Time. You're listening to Leonetti's Detection Selection. Welcome to Crime Time, the podcast discussing all things mystery, sci-fi, horror, and crime fiction. I'm Lee. I'm Eddie. This is uh, episode 12, season 5, and we are back at it again. Boom! So we've been missing in action. Yeah. But uh, guess what? Good news. They sent out a search party. They found us. Ta-da! And now we have uh, a shit ton of things to talk about because it's been a while. Yeah, boom. We, you know, we haven't been around resting on our laurels. What's resting? What are laurels? I've never heard of any of those words. They're made up. <laughs> no, we've been reading, watching. Listening. Sneaking. Experiencing. Snooping. Stalking. No. <laughs> <laughs> we've solved all of the disappearances. <laughs> I wish we were uh, sleuths. We, yeah, imagine if we were sleuths. Like, imagine if this was, like, serial and we, like, solved shit. Um, we should save this for the conversation time that we do at the end of the podcast, but we should talk about crime, Reddit, subreddit, Oh, holes. right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about All right. that. All right. So, but as well as that, this week we're talking about Dr. Sleep, the new Stephen King film. <sighs> Some things to say. Yeah. We're talking about The Rich Man's House by Andrew McGann. Very big book. And uh, we're talking about... The Lying Room by Nikki French. So, Dr. Sleep. Woo. Take me through it. It's one of my favourite books of all time in That's the horror true. genre, so I have yeah. to give it a bit of a preamble. You know, 30 years ago, Stephen King wrote The Shining. Yeah. It was a great book. It got turned into a really oh, famous yeah, movie. It was fine. Look. The movie was, it did well. You know, limited release. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody loved it. It was a hit, a yeah. success. And what I love about it is like that Stephen King came back and wrote a sequel. A, yeah. that was a great thing. Yeah. B, he wrote it exactly 30 years later and the characters yeah. are 30 years on. Yeah. That to me is very interesting. I really love that as a as a thing. Like, yeah, like you can't really return to the 70s. You, can, you can't go home again. <laughs> oh, <Yeah>. deep. <laughs> deep. Uh, so we went to the cinema. Uh, we had mini burritos stuffed in each jacket pocket. In every jacket pocket. Every jacket pocket. Yeah. I wore a cargo pants <laughs> and mini burritos in every, every place you could conceive of. <laughs> and we saw it. We did it. I've been waiting for it to come out for a long time. That's true. And then boom, there we were. And we watched it. Yeah. But just as the like the lights dimmed, I realized that it went for like three hours. That's true. It was it was one of the greatest moments of all time. Cinematic history, I would say, is as the lights went down, Lee turned to me and said, This goes for three hours <laughs> and just looked already so bored. I can't do anything for three hours. <laughs> like literally just like I was like, wow, I should have brought that guy like a fidget spinner or something to I, do. I went and paid twice. Yeah. <laughs> but that wasn't like a reflection of the film. Oh, I thought you were my... gonna say I didn't need to pee, I was just bored. <laughs> no, just a reflection of my attention span. Yeah. Kids um, these days. I noticed I went to a wedding yesterday. And I put on these shoes. I do this thing where I try and keep my attention by, like, tapping my toe. Right. I do it all the time. But you might not notice it because it's in my shoe hidden. Right. Uh, just to try and keep my attention span sharp Wow, I did not notice about you. Yeah, no, I'm doing it all the time because I, I feel like I just need a lot of stimuli. I noticed that the shoe, the top half of the shoe that I had to wear the weddings is, like, come unstuck where, the, where my toe would be in the shoe. Oh, because I must you've been tapping so much in a lot shoe. in those shoes. <laughs> Anyway, I glued them down, wore them, so... I uh, I thought you were going to say that it turned out that they were really loud and you were at someone's wedding, like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, Dr. Sleep, what did you think? 
Um, so let me tell you a bit about my experience with Dr. Sleep. So I hadn't read the book. Yeah. So I start watching it and I'm like, wow, interesting. Yeah, this is interesting. And then about three minutes into the film, Lee leans over to me and says, you might not get this because you haven't read the book, but that's, that's a bad guy. I was getting really stressed. And I was like, I can tell she's the bad guy because she's wearing a top hat and she just ate an eight year old girl. Okay, so for me... (laughs) (laughs) Tell me about your perspective on this. Hear me out. So I read this book, and it's a gigantic brick of a book, as we come to imagine. Yeah, you lent it to me to read, but I just use it to uh, reach things on higher shelves. I just sleep on it. (laughs) (laughs) Boom! So it's a giant book, and it it, it spans like 10 years or something. Like a really long time. And so, you know, when you turn it into a film, you can't capture all that nuance. Right, right. And I I was really sad or scared that you were missing out on right. those parts. Yeah, you were like, the evil top hat lady who just ate a child is bad! <laughs> <laughs> that actually brings me to not a criticism of the film because I, I did enjoy it. Yep. One of the things I really love in Stephen King's books is when he spans a really long period of time mm. in the book and you're with that character or whatever, yep. that family, for like a really long period of time. Yep. And I, I love that. I love getting involved in that. Right. But I think it's hard to do in a film that's like a cinematic kind mm. of blockbuster. Mm. It's more of like a maybe a TV movie. Yeah. It, it felt weird as a film. Yeah, it's also not the genre that you do, like, getting older montage. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's like... Whoop. My dad just sent me a text. We've been exchanging horror film it's recommendations. Amazing. He just sent me a recommendation for The Cleansing Hour. That sounds horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's just like... A film, I'm going to say it's a documentary explaining how to shower. And uh, <laughs> I hope you watch it because, God, you punk. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I'm going to Google what it is. The Cleansing Hour. <gasps> wow. Trains, phones, what next? Wow. Oh, my God, it looks awful. <laughs> Look at that top pick. It's a horror film, 2019. Oh, no. That looks way too schlocky for you. Uh, oh, yeah, it's not, it's not the genre where you do it getting older. Montage. Yeah. It's not, yeah. But I think, like, a TV series would be good. Like, there have been a few Stephen King novels that have been turned into series, and I think that he probably is a bit more of a long-form sort of a guy. Fair. Like, The Stand, there was one, and then there was a re... Yeah, no, there's been two Stand films. Yeah. But they were, like, six hours long. And I feel like, yeah, that works. I want that experience. Do you? I do. you were, like, three (laughs) hours. Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. I think that's why I love watching movies on my laptop because I can stop and start and stop and start. Right, right, right. You want Peter Jackson to do Stephen King. Peter Jackson is Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're like, I want him to divide that book into three books. Yeah. (laughs) Three films. So just for short, in case people haven't seen it or heard about it. Basically what happens is Danny from The Shining is now a grown-up and he's disturbed AF, which is fair, due to his whole family... Uh, got cursed by some ghosts, and his dad went, Badonkadonk. Wait, no, Badonkadonk is a different thing. <laughs> I see where you're going. <laughs> like, he went bonkers and tried to kill him all with an axe. Yeah. And then DIE'd. And like Danny is incredibly traumatized by seeing all the ghosts and yeah. horrible things that he yeah. sees. And also psychic. He has the shining. Yes. And then there's this troop of immortal beings who eat kids who have the shining. They're, They're like, called nom, the nom, nom, nom. not. They're I love it. All right. 
Yeah. All right. K N O T the knot. You're you're a, you're a nerd. Uh, <laughs> and then they're like nom 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 nom. We eat a baby. And then there's like a really cute little girl who has really great shining. Like she's like super shiny. So this is like the new Danny, I guess. So yeah. she's like a pretty prominent part of the film. And I would say the best actor in the film. That's true. Her name is um Abra. Yeah. And she's like 14 and she has the shining, real strong like Danny did. So a yeah. real psychic strong ability. But uh, she somehow picks up psychically what this group of baddies are doing to other kids. Yeah. And she gets in the head of the main baddie. And then yeah. that main baddie is like, oh shit, I know you exist now and you're full of the shining. And I'll eat And you. I want to eat it. Yeah. So Abra reaches out to Danny yeah. for help. But Danny has a whole shitload of problems going on. Yeah. He's like, I'm not okay. He's not okay, but he's a recovering alcoholic. Yeah, which I thought was beautiful. It was. And I just have to say it was really beautifully depicted in the book. Yeah. Yeah. It was also very well depicted in the novel. Wait, in the film. The film, yeah. In in the film. (laughs) Cut this bit out. (laughs) (laughs) Boom, boom, Um, boom. Yeah, I don't know. Did you enjoy it? Did you like it? I really liked it. I really liked it. How many um, ruined childhoods out of five would you give it? I I think there's something about it's very hard to do a sequel. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing that I think. I think it's a really good sequel. Yeah. It's not a great movie on its own. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it does a really great job of invoking a lot of that Kubrick feeling, Mm. aesthetic. I think they've uh, either used the old set from the Overlook Hotel or recreated it really well. But it feels like a nod. It doesn't feel like it's creating its own experience yeah like i just i I thought it was really good the acting was great the story was great the scripts were great the characters were believable but it just felt a bit like a daytime movie right i think that you were suffering from chronic ntb syndrome which is uh not the book not the book (laughs) yeah the book and i I just think there is something really uh, difficult about a sequel like i love the film poltergeist right it's like a classic horror film right from the 80s genius and then there's a there's a poltergeist one two and three yep and two is like definitely not as good as the first one sure and it's a sequel but i just love it yeah um i don't know because you get to keep seeing the characters or whatever i just love it but like it is hard to recreate that impact of the first film yeah yeah, and I thought it was really interesting because didn't you say that Stephen King didn't heaps love the first Shining film? Yeah, I don't remember saying that. I All mean, right, maybe well, I did. We do a podcast, so... That's true. It's uh, immortalized on the internet, yeah. so boom. Maybe I did. Bing I'm bam. not sure. Badonkadonk. Badonkadonk. <laughs> uh, I give it four out of five stars. Amazing! Yeah, how about you? I give it... Look, I got pretty scared at various moments. Um, I thought that kid was so cute mm. and so, like, you ain't kids you're bad mm. and i was like yeah that's relatable there was a lot going on but i i think i'd give it a four and a half yeah cool yeah i like to get i liked um how i guess it's like a, a new generation of kids yeah and like they're like more like no i'm gonna stop you from doing this this isn't yeah. right like i'm not being stopped by my fear yeah which i thought was cool i thought it was yeah so good that you've just got this little girl who like witnesses something horrifying and your normal narrative would be she's scared da 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 She's afraid of that happening and she knows it's wrong, but there's nothing she can do. She's very helpless. Like, Mm, I feel like mm. it's a really big feature of a lot of previous media media of like really helpless children. But this child was not helpless. She had her own mind. She grew up as well, I think was another big point. You know, like I think we see her from like age six Mm. to kind of age 14 
And, you know, you really do see her form her own, like, thoughts. Yeah. And, and I think that that is really strong. Yeah. Well, I'm going to say Stephen King does the best coming-of-age stories. That's true. It's mm. his thing. Yeah, it's his thing. Which I think is probably why you were missing a lot of that, because you were like, no, the coming-of-age part, that's the important thing. And I think the filmmakers were like, scary top hat lady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like it was, it was, there was... There were so many threads in the book, yeah. beautiful threads, yeah. that I feel like you can't, you have to choose one because the film would just be chaotic that's true. if you were to follow all of them. Yeah. All so right. that's what I have to say about it. Boom. Wiser words have uh, often been said. <laughs> if you've written a coming of age story or a horror story or a crime fiction story or a mystery story. Yeah. If you've got that manuscript sitting on your desk, you've just put the last page on top. You're like, boom, it's boom. finished. But donk a donk. But donk a donk. And you're like, now I just need to get my target audience to read this and tell me... If it's working, what I could do better. How's it holding together? Is it ready for submission? Do mm. I need to do edits? Is there is there something missing? Is the top hat lady not scary enough? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? When we write something, we're so close to that writing that Fully. it's very hard to step outside. Yeah. And it's, it's hard also to give it to our friends and family to read it for them to step outside of their Absolutely. experience of us. Right? You're going to hand them your weird Stephen King novel and they're going to be like, mm. Babe, that's awesome. Or they're going to be like, babe, I want a divorce. <laughs> <laughs> also, when you hand it out to your fans to read your work, I don't know if they can be objective. No, they can't. So, Eddie and I, the famous Eddie and I from Crime Time, we've launched a professional beta reading service. It's called Frank & Co Readers, and we deliver confidential, independent, and constructive feedback on your novel. Very express return time. So if you just don't want to wait, and you want that feedback back in two days, in three days, in five days, boom, come to us. Give us a call. Yeah. Not a call, an email. We don't have phones. That's not a thing. <laughs> yeah, I think the big thing that uh, I, I learned when we were doing research about beta reading is that for the most part you're putting it out to people who are offering to do it for free yeah and they've got lives they're busy they have to go to their jobs our job is reading your manuscript yeah there's like beautiful communities online where people can they can beta read your novel in exchange for you beta reading theirs uh that kind of thing and i think that's awesome but if you want a different kind of service with professional beta readers with an express turnaround time frankandcoreaders.com boom my dad gave me this book uh, a, a few months ago, actually. Tell us about it. So it's called The Rich Man's House. It's by Andrew McGann. Shout out to your dad, by the way. Shout out to my dad. Yeah. Uh, and it was great because I was like midway through writing a paper. Yes. So I, like I was writing a paper for this conference. I was like, oh, I'm really stressed. I'm also reading this book. And every now and then I get this really cute text from my dad being like, did you guess the end? Oh, that's so <laughs> cute. <laughs> and I was like, no. <laughs> Uh, I'll just, I'll read, I'll read a little bit of the, uh, in 2016 at the foot of this unearthly mountain, which is a 25,000 meter high mountain. Do you know that I love mountains? Really? I didn't know that. I'm obsessed with mountains. Wow. Would you kiss one? Uh, yeah, but it's more like, (laughs) I'm like in awe of them. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I've seen every film about Mount Everest and K2. Wow. That's all. Keep going. (laughs) There'll be a test later. (laughs) Controversial and ambitious dream home, the observatory is painstakingly constructed by an eccentric billionaire, the only man to have ever reached the summit. Mm -hmm. Right? Rita Gauss, estranged daughter of the architect who designed the observatory, is surprised upon her father's death to be invited to the isolated mansion to meet the famously reclusive owner, Walter Richmond. But from the beginning, something doesn't feel right. Why is Richmond so insistent that she come? What does he expect of her? 
right? This sounds great. Uh, right, exactly. It sounds like a whole world so, in there. So, first of all, the very first thing that happens is it starts with this kind of historical account of the discovering of this mountain, which is called the Wheel. And it's south of Tasmania. This is everything I love in a book. Yeah. And it's 25,000 metres high, which means it goes into the stratosphere. That's right sick <laughs> okay but here's the fucking thing right i don't have a lot of confidence in my like geographical knowledge so i was like that's not a real mountain is it so i'm like googling <laughs> is it no it's okay. not a fucking real mountain if there was a mountain that went into the stratosphere that would be like really important um, right like and i'm like no that's not a re- i'm like googling i'm like and then i finally i'm like okay I just it's killing me i'm like maybe like two pages into this book so i don't know what goes into the stratosphere yet. i don't even know what the stratosphere is it's like Right before the atmosphere, like before space. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like there's very little Mad air high. there. As you read the novel, it becomes really obvious that this is not a real mountain. But at the start of it, I'm like, what? I've never heard of this mountain. <laughs> so I text my dad. I'm like, just to confirm, this isn't a real mountain. <laughs> and he's like, nope, not a real mountain. Anyway, and then as I keep reading it, it turns out that the mountain is a small tectonic plate that's like stood on its side. And I'm like, well, I would have known if I'd known <laughs> That's so cool, though. Right? But now my dad probably thinks I'm an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Dad, please confirm. Deny or confirm. So, yeah, basically what happens is that Rita Gauss, she's, like, invited to this uh, house that's built into the side of, not the actual, like, Stratosphere Mountain, but a mountain right next to it. Yep. That's also mad high as well. Yep. It's this, like, gorgeous-ass, like, architectural, like, monument um and basically she's really weird she's like this ex cult leader oh i love a story about a cult right everyone keeps like being weird like we read your book and she's like okay that was when i had psychosis <laughs> like, oh wow really yeah, so she doesn't believe in it anymore but maybe there's something to it oh. right so there's some kind of malevolent presence on the mountain that maybe she knows a little bit about from her weird cult whoa which is maybe why she was invited out there there's lots of mysterious deaths that have happened lots of mysterious things going on and maybe she's been invited there for a reason other than her estranged father. You're saying there might be some suspicious undertones? Yeah, maybe mountain ghost. Ooh. Or a mountain goat. Oh, I'm into both. <laughs> <laughs> and I found it very relatable because I personally have several estranged daughters. So <laughs> I have five mountain goats. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen your dogs. They look like mountain they goats. Do. <laughs> How many mountain goats out of five would you give it? Look, I give it a solid four mountain goats out of five nice it was a really good read there was this kind of there were these like moments where you're like what and then you're like oh i love that right there was some um really great really creepy moments so i'm gonna tell you about this kind of creepy thing okay but don't give it away because i got home the other day and you'd left it on my kitchen table and i was like yes sir i will read this i wanted to creep you out Mm. no so there's this phenomenon that is described in the book called the third man right it's a famous film Exactly, but it's a different thing. It's a mountaineering <laughs> thing. So sometimes people be out on a mountain and they'll think there's another person there. This is, okay, go on. I have something to add And after. often that other person there is a positive force who's like trying to help them. Mm. So they'll be lost in a snowstorm and they'll everyone will be convinced that there's an extra person who's leading them mm. and they'll get to safety. And that extra person will never be found. Mm. 
And maybe it's the mountain. I find that fascinating. Yeah. There was this book I read by uh, Michelle Paver. Right. And I, I talked about it on the show, but uh, it's about people going on an expedition up the mountain. Up a mountain. And does it go into the stratosphere, though? I don't think it does. Does it, does it go into the stratosphere? <laughs> but, you know, like, you're, ha- you're getting lo- less oxygen. You're yeah. having, like, these yeah. really intense experiences. And people do, like, see things, yeah. and w- which is what happens, I guess, yeah. when you get less oxygen. Yeah. And maybe you're kind of distressed and whatnot. But I find it, like, fascinating. Yeah. And, you know, there are people that, like, like think of mountains in their areas as, mm. like, spiritual or godly. Fully. Maybe that third person is a mountain. We don't yeah. know. Maybe. I love the idea, Maybe. though. A thing that happens in this book is that no Sherpas will climb the wheel, yeah. this mountain. They yeah. won't climb it. Yeah. They're like, we love mountains. This isn't a mountain. Shit. Isn't that scary? Yeah. How fucked up is it, the thing about the Sherpas, how they do all the work to get people up a mountain. Right. It's so wild. And then everyone's like, I, I climbed, climbed that mountain. mountain. And the Sherpa's there like, I carried you. I've literally carried you on yeah. my back is what yeah. used to happen, right? Yeah, probably. And symbolically still does. Yeah. yeah anyway, cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I feel like you can't touch on Mount Everest or mountain climbing without talking about that weird it's a, it's weirdness. A thing. It's a thing. It's a thing. Uh, that book sounds great. I'm going to get amongst it. Do it. What's the name again? The Rich Man's House by Andrew McGann. Nikki French! Whew. Nikki French, you know, I've been reading Nikki French for so many years now. Tell me how long. Uh, you know, I started picking up crime books because my mum reads them. Yeah. And I think I must have picked up Nikki French books like at least 15 years ago. Right, so about, so when you were like when 105? Was, yeah, in the in the 50s maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I'm getting to an age where there's jokes about me being old. I'm like, when did this happen? Oh my lord. Uh, I used to make jokes about you being old because you were young. And now I make jokes about you being old because you're old. I'm old now. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> so, The Lying Room. Oh, The Lying Room. So, it's well, first I have to say, as I always say, uh, they're a husband and wife riding duo. Which I love. Do you think that they do, like, where they're both on the same, like, keyboard at the same time? They're like... <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Like, one of them takes, like, Q to T, and the other one takes Y to P. Right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Nikki French, get in touch. If that's how you do it, let us know. Yeah. So they released a new standalone book. They often do things uh, in series. Right. So the last, I think, the last series went for, like, seven or eight books. But this one's a standalone novel. How fucked up would it be if Nikki French turned out to be actually a husband and wife, not writing duo, but kidnapping duo, and they just kidnap people who are budding authors, keep them in the basement, get them to write Nikki French books? Why would they do that? I'm just saying, uh, Nikki French, if you're listening, (laughs) get in touch. Are you kidnappers? I think what's so wonderful about Nikki French and what I would use as evidence to dispute that claim is that they have such a strong writing style they edit. Fair call. Fair call. <laughs> but one of the things I love is their characters always feel familiar. Right. I'm going to read you the back. You ready? Do it. It should have been just a mid-life fling, a guilty indiscretion that Neve Connolly could have weathered, an escape from 20 years of routine marriage to her overworked husband and from her increasingly distant children. But when Neve pays a morning visit to her lover, Saul, and finds him brutally murdered, uh, there... Oh, that's a French term that I don't know. Let's say sex. <laughs> <laughs> Is it a fail? Oh, no, no. They're pide terre 
I think it's a house. Yeah, what's that? Pierre de What is it? I don't know. Like their love den. Their love den. Their love den, still heady with her perfume. (laughs) And all the lies she has so painstakingly stitched together threaten to unravel. Oh, no. After scrubbing clean every trace of her existence. Wait, wait, wait. So she shows up at a crime scene and her first instinct, rather than report this to the cops, is... Better get my fingerprints out this crime scene. For sure. And I feel like it, it doesn't feel um, like a lie because she set it up so well. You right. kind of like, I kind of understand why you're doing that, but I yeah. feel really sorry for you being in this situation. Yeah. Like yeah. her husband is a bit depressed and like they've right. been together forever and they yeah. have these kids and their oldest kid, Mabel, is their oldest character. She's like 18 Who or 19. Who calls kid Mabel? I think that's a great name. Wow, I can't believe you're going to call your kid Mabel. I just might. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, Mabel, sh- I will. <laughs> She has, like, a lot of psychiatric problems Mm. and is, like, from Neve's perspective, hanging on by a thread. And she feels like if her daughter finds out that her mum was cheating on her beloved father, it just might knock her over the edge. But can I just say, this is when you should always follow Eddie's philosophy. Go on. Which is never make decisions that would end up on a sitcom. True. You know what I'm saying? Like, never tell someone that you're a doctor when you're not a doctor. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. What would you do? I wouldn't be in a web of lies. So she, like, cleans up the space and goes back to her life, but it all starts to unravel. Of course it does. Of course it does, but it's it's thrilling from start to finish. Oh, of course. The character... You know, you know I love those books where it says lots of... Like, from the first page, I feel like I'm getting a glimpse into this family's yeah, life. Like, it yeah. feels familiar. There's a lot of cooking scenes. Ooh. And their characters always ride a bike around London. Oh, I, d- I just feel like I know these people. Right. right. From your time in London. From my time in London. <laughs> I highly recommend. I'd give it, like, four out of five. Amazing. But, yeah, I don't know. I kind of feel sorry for her. Like, yeah, don't have oh, an affair, probably. Yeah. yeah, right? But if you do have an affair and then the person ends up dead, maybe just come clean. Go to the police. Like, weigh it up. Yeah. So the lying room, she's lying about the room yeah. and her lover's lying dead in the room. Exactly. <laughs> for me... And, and, and look, this is probably a very unrelatable sort of a position, but I'm more scared of authority, mm. like, a.k.a. committing a crime, like, uh, tampering with a crime scene, yeah. than I am of, like, disappointing people. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, yeah, and then, like, there's one detective, this one staunch detective that keeps right. turning up, and, like, he's clearly onto her. Yeah. So she just has to keep managing it, and I'm like... It sounds very stressful. It sounds so stressful. I'm like, it's less stressful. Like, Band-Aid, right off. Just say it. I mean, that's not how you're going to take Band-Aids off, but yeah. My feeling was like, your adult daughter needs to realize that you were a human being too, and you just need to say it and get it out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and now just quickly to wrap up. Um, what murder holes have you fallen into? Like, speaking of uh, <sighs> my new conspiracy theory, which is that Nikki French are actually kidnappers. Um, I just need to say for a disclaimer and legal reasons, we don't actually think that. <laughs> or do we? <laughs> okay, subreddits. Mabel, I do. <laughs> <laughs> this one happened in Victoria. Oh. In Australia, where we live. Yeah. I fall into murder holes, but I also fall into, like, mysteries that don't have to be yep. murders. Yeah, yeah. All right, that's fair, that's fair. But this family that live on a farm, this right. happened about a year or two ago. It was more than a year or two ago, but I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. so it was all over the news at the time. But uh, this family just went missing 
uh, and it, fa- it turns out that they took off, so uh, a husband and a wife and I think like three of the adult children, Yeah. they took off um, just out of nowhere. They left their whole house unlocked. They left all their phones, uh, wallets, passports, everything on their kitchen table yeah. and were missing. And everyone was really worried and people were looking for them and then people were having sightings of them. Yeah. And it just all started to unravel that uh, one of them had, a f- had brought a phone along and then the dad saw it and threw it out of the car. Uh, yeah. And I think what was happening was maybe some kind of group unwell situation. Yeah. One of the daughters ended up sneaking into the back of a ute. And when the guy pulled over and found her in there, she was like comatose. She had to go to hospital. Mom ended up in a psychiatric ward for the night. And then the dad, this is the really creepy part. Yeah. He was like driving behind this car. Remember when Pokemon Go was a thing? Yeah. And yeah. they were playing Pokemon Go out on this country road and he was driving really close to them and they would pause and then he would pause. So, you know, if you've seen Wolf Creek, that's not a fun experience. It's not. It's so not then, great. So, I've been watching Finding Malat and it's, oh, yeah. what an evil man. Right. Um, so they pull up to see, like, what's going on and get out of their car. He jumps out of his car with the car still running and just runs into the woods. <laughs> He was, he was clearly not well, right? Oh my god! Um, so the whole like country was watching as this was unfolding in the news. I think what's interesting when the whole family got reunited and yeah. the press said, "Can you have a comment? Like, can you make a comment?" Like, what happened? The dad just like stuck his finger up at the camera, um, <laughs> and like in Australia, Australians don't like that kind of thing. <laughs> you know, they want to like be involved in the story, but they don't want to like then have you be like, "And fuck yes." <laughs> <laughs> it's a very Australian response, though. Like, why did you do that thing that made a national manhunt happen? Like, fuck off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So I, there was lots of conspiracy theories, you know. Like what happened? Yeah, so like some people, uh, I didn't hear about aliens, but some people said like uh, carbon monoxide poisoning can right, make yeah, you yeah. develop some kind of psychosis-like symptoms. Um, just that the family were under a lot of pressure. And then there's a French word that I don't know how to say, but it's when one person has a psychotic illness right. and then it kind of spreads to other members in the family. Uh, that's an interesting take. Yeah. I don't know what happened, but I did fall through that subreddit very deeply. Yeah, I can imagine. All right, your turn. <laughs> what subreddit have you got lost uh, in? You know, I recently watched uh, that series, um, The Disappearance of Madeleine McCann. Yeah. And I think that for me, that one was like such a, you know, as I was watching, I went on a real journey. Yeah. And I think that they constructed it like that, yeah. where you're like, they did it! You're like, that guy did it! And then you kind of get to the end and you're like, oh, I don't fucking know. Yeah. But my favourite conspiracy theory about that, uh, which is the one that turns out that the little girl is okay, is that um, there was this guy who was approached by this like foreign-sounding woman. He said possibly Australian. And she said, are, are you here to deliver my little girl? Do you have my li- my new little girl? And is this was, a theory? I didn't this hear this. This is a theory, okay. yeah. And then he was like, what? Anyway, so he reported it a few years later, I think. And they were like, oh, that happened right around the time Madeleine McCann went missing. So it's entirely possible that this little girl wasn't murdered. Nothing awful happened to her other than obviously getting kidnapped, which is like fucked and horrible. Mm. But that some rich Australian <laughs> lady bought her? Jeez Louise. Isn't that intense? I hope that she's alive. I hope that she got bought by some rich Australian lady who's just like, you know, and she'll just show up at some point and she'll be like, hey, it's me, Madeline McCann. (laughs) I'm really rich. I can ride a horse. (laughs) Uh, Okay, let us know, friends. What are your favourite 
mysteries. Mysteries. To just get obsessed with. Conspiracies, whatever. Let yeah. us know. You can chat to us on Twitter at CrimetimePod. You can chat to us on Instagram at CrimetimePod. You can send us an email, CrimetimePodcast at gmail.com. Check out our website, CrimetimePod.com. We also have links to Franklin Co. Readers, our beta reading service. Mm. And we love hearing from you. So until next time. Yeah. Bye.